are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and I am thrilled to be with you again today. On this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, approximately 15 to 20 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. Coming up on today's show, we're going to do the latest installment of the Giants mailbag. We're also going to talk about the wildcard standings. The Brewers and Reds both played doubleheaders yesterday and... The results are certainly interesting for the Giants. First, a little bit about me. I've been a contributor for the baseball analysis sites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I started a Giants podcast called Covecast in 2015 and then joined the Locked On Podcast Network in 2019. I'm also a lifelong diehard Giants fan. So the first thing I want to talk about, as I promised yesterday, was to provide an update about the wildcard standings. So the Cincinnati Reds playing the Pittsburgh Pirates. I guess we should have seen this coming. The Pirates are the worst team in baseball this year. The Reds took care of them in both games of their doubleheader, and now the Reds are the team that is closest to the Giants in the wildcard race. The Reds are now just one game back of the Giants, and the Brewers had a doubleheader against the Cardinals, And they won the first game. So with a win in the second game, the Brewers would have tied the Cardinals for second place in the the division, which automatically gets them into the postseason, being in second place in the division. But instead, they lost the second game of their doubleheader, so they remained behind the Cardinals, and they are one and a half games behind the Giants. What I meant to say was, with a win, not only would they have been tied for second, but then that would mean the Cardinals and or the Brewers would be just half a game behind the Giants. So things are getting tight. That's kind of the point that I wanted to make. But the Brewers losing their second game was good news for the Giants. The Mets are just two games back, and the Rockies are tied with the Brewers just one and a half games behind the Giants. So it's very tight. Things are going to change every single day, most likely. The Giants tonight play the Mariners in Seattle. Smoke. And air quality permitting, uh, the, the air quality is really poor in Seattle. However, the A's and Mariners played a doubleheader yesterday with really poor air quality in Seattle. So I expect that the game will get played. Hopefully the air quality will improve by game time. Fangraphs lists the Giants playoff odds now at 54%. It was as high as 70% just a couple days ago. So now it's basically a coin flip. According to Fangraphs, Giants are more likely than the Mets, Brewers, Reds, or Rockies. So they really do control their own destiny here. And they just need to take care of their own business and get some wins and that those playoff odds will improve. So that was your update. And now let's just jump into the mailbag questions. Ezra asks, do you believe Zaidi can identify potentially top-tier pitching talent eventually. Part of me worries that he is just significantly better at identifying talent in position players. 
Looking at San Diego, Miami, and LA, I I worry they can't compete with their pitching anytime soon. So yeah, it's a legitimate question because for all the Yastrzemskis and the Dickersons and the you know offensive players who are performing at their best or above expectations, we can't exactly say the same for any pitcher, specifically starting pitchers. In the bullpen, they have unearthed some guys who are intriguing to me, like the ascent of Caleb Berger is really interesting to me. He was not a guy who many people thought or pretty much anybody thought would be on this opening day roster. But they invited him to the alternate side, and then boom, he made the team. And I think we can see why. I know the results haven't quite been there, and that's probably part of what's baked into your question, is that even with a guy like Berger, who they seem to be identifying as someone to to give an opportunity to, he struggled, and they haven't really unearthed someone who has done really, really well on the pitching side, like they have with Yastrzemski, for example. But at the same time, I, I kind of remain optimistic about a guy like Berger because I think we can all see that the stuff plays at the major league level. He's just got to locate his pitches, maybe develop a changeup. I don't know. But I'm intrigued by Caleb Berger as an example there. On the starting pitching side, it's like they haven't really tried to bring in guys who are not yet established. They've gone really veteran heavy on the rotation with guys like Cueto, Tyler Anderson, Trevor Cahill, Drew Smiley, Kevin Gosman. Their approach has been totally different where they're they're bringing in guys on like one-year deals who need a rebound season like Gosman and Smiley, and then Cueto was obviously already here. Tyler Anderson, I like that pickup from a waiver claim perspective. So... I'm not really worried is kind of the way I want to answer that question. I think their approach has been really different on the pitching side versus the position player side. Seems they think they can cobble together a pitching staff for the time being while they continue to try to develop their own pitchers, bring in guys like Seth Corey and Sean Jelly and Tristan Beck and Kaiwei Tang. So ultimately, I think the jury is just still out a little bit. But Kevin Gosman and Drew Smiley look like good signings, and those guys were targeted by this front office. Harleen Garcia, Sam Selman, Berriger, Trevor Gott last year. I mean, I just I think that bullpen performance is going to fluctuate, and they have not had a lot of success with the bullpen for the most part, although it really has stabilized over the last few weeks. And then the rotation, they just it hasn't been an attempt at developing new talent. It's been mostly cobbling together veteran pitchers that I think that's their plan for making trades too, was guys like Smiley and Gosman and Pomeranz. They're thinking these guys on one year deals, if they perform better, we can flip them and get future pieces. So I think we need a couple more years to really fully answer this question, but do I have some concerns? Yes, a little bit. Maz asks, what do you imagine is the front office's long-term strategy for improving our farm system's pitching depth? Do you think they believe they currently have an ace in the making in the farm, or do they plan to buy pitching like the 2015-16 Cubs? I think they're higher than most on the likes of Seth Corey, Sean Jelly, Tristan Beck, Kaiwei Tang, as I said earlier. 
I think they're high on their ability to develop these pitchers. Obviously, not having a minor league season and not being able to get these guys working with coaches as much as they would like has certainly had a detrimental effect. I do think they were going to be aggressive with promoting some of these guys, and we would have seen a drastically different pitching staff take shape over the course of a normal 2020 season. However, I do continue to believe, yes, that they probably think they could sign pitching easier than they can sign position players. And so I'm not convinced that they're too worried about their ability to bring in talented pitchers, whether it's through their own farm or through free agency or through trades. The other thing they could always do is trade from their surplus of hitting talent in their own minor league system for pitching. Like if they really wanted to, they could have acquired a Mike Clevenger, for example. But I think they'd prefer someone with more team control. So I I continue to think that's a possibility down the road that we'll see a trade for controllable, talented pitching. So I'm not entirely sure, but I think the fact is they have options. And so they're going to do what they think is best when exploring all of the different options. All right, coming up in the second half of the show, we'll continue to answer your questions from Twitter. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use on more important things like the mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? Random example, a fuel pump assembly for a 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey costs $353.99 at Advance, which is a big chain store, and $216.79 at rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. Best of all, RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com All right, as promised here in the second half of the show, going to continue running through your questions from Twitter. Caleb asks, is Crawford back to being a good fielder? I saw he's 11th for infield outs above average with four. So thank you for pointing that out because I wanted to talk about that yesterday but didn't get a chance. Baseball Savant finally released its outs above average for the season yesterday. And sure enough, Brandon Crawford did appear pretty high on the list with four outs above average, one of the better infielder results in all of baseball. And that matches what I've seen personally. I I think he was a little bit sloppy. He made some errors that we're used to seeing him make routinely early in the season. But over the last month or so, he's just been extremely sure-handed and made some really good plays, not just the routine ones as well. So I don't know exactly what's driving this rebound, but last year, as you know, for comparison's sake, Crawford was listed as minus five outs above average by this metric. So whatever the reason is, I've seen it. He's been really, really solid for the last month plus, and this metric backs that up. So it kind of, to me, speaks highly of this metric, and hopefully he can keep it up. 
Cobert Gobert asks, if the Giants could control who they play against in the playoffs, what do you think is their most likely path to the World Series, including wildcard matchups, divisional round, and NLCS? So I've seen a lot of people say that the the Giants would want to play the Dodgers because of how well they've played them this year. But I am not in that camp. The Dodgers are pretty clearly, if not the best, one of the top two or three teams in baseball. And to me, I don't want any part of the Dodgers in that first round. I think both the Cubs and the Braves would provide an opportunity for the Giants to steal a series because they would be heavy underdogs in either series. The Marlins are just two and a half games back of the Braves, and the Padres are just one and a half games behind the Dodgers. So it remains possible that the Padres could win the West and the Marlins could win the East, in which case, I mean, the number one seed could be the Padres. And then that is not a team you would want to play either. So to me, I think the Giants would like to play the Cubs or the Braves in the first round. I don't think there's any way that the Marlins would end up being a possibility there because the Giants are going to either be the 7 or 8 seed if they make it. And so they would either play the number 1 or number 2 seed. And I don't I don't see the Marlins getting to the number 2 seed. So the thing is with the Cubs, they are not hitting. Their offensive group is just not doing all that well this year. Javier Baez is really struggling. Chris Bryant is really struggling. They're just not doing much offensively. With the Braves, they are extremely dangerous offensively, but their starting pitching is in complete disarray. The The couple pitchers they had doing well are injured. I don't know exactly when they're going to come back, but you would have a real opportunity to, to pile on some offense against the Braves, whereas the Cubs have Yu Darvish, who may win the Cy Young Award, so that would be really tough in a Game 1 matchup. Since the Giants' pitching is not that great, I think the the preferred matchup would probably be the Chicago Cubs because I could see the Giants' pitching having a really tough time with the Braves. As I say that, I'm kind of going back and forth and thinking you really don't want to have to face Darvish in a best-of-three series where you're pretty much guaranteed to lose the first game because of how great he's been. So maybe it is the Braves that the Giants would prefer to play in the wildcard round. And then looking beyond that, if you're the eight seed and you beat the one seed, you're going to face the winner of the four versus five. And if you're the seven seed and you beat the two seed, you're going to face the winner of three versus six. So four versus five would currently be Padres Marlins. I think you would obviously prefer to, to face the Marlins, hope for an upset there. And if you're the seven seed and you beat the two seed, currently three versus six is Braves versus Cardinals. And I think you would definitely hope to face the Cardinals there. So I'll say, you know, prefer to face the Cubs in round one and then Marlins or Cardinals in division series. Probably would prefer to face the Marlins, although they're playing really well right now, but I'll say them over the Cardinals. And then if it's an NLCS, it's really hard to keep track of all these different possible scenarios, but I'll say you hope it's the Cardinals or Phillies in the NLCS that you're facing. Really quickly, Zachary asks, what is the future plans for Tyler Beatty? Give him another try at starting next year or move him to the pen to make sure he sticks, as I believe he is out of options. I think he has one more option remaining. I think, honestly, I mean, I want to say they're going to try him in the starting rotation because 
We saw the upside. His last start last year was so intriguing. He was just striking everybody out. The The way starting pitchers are, the, the game is trending. I think they could see him as like a four-inning guy, a guy who can go through a lineup a couple times and then turn it over to somebody else. I don't think they want to limit him to just one-inning spurts. And that option does play a role. If he was out of options, if he is, then they'd probably maybe start him in the bullpen and then hope to bring him back into the rotation. Pasquale asks, if the Giants reach the playoffs, will the front office have a different approach towards the free agent market? I don't think so. I think their plan is is their plan, and it's not going to change whether or not they make the postseason. I think it'll give them some rope. People will, will start to appreciate what they've been able to do so far and maybe be less critical of the moves they do make, but I don't think their plans are going to change depending on whether or not they make it. All right, that is all the time we have for today. Remember to get this show every weekday. You need to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Kaspik. That's K-A-S-P-I-C-K. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow talking about tonight's huge game against the Seattle Mariners. It'll be Tyler Anderson on the mound for the Giants against TJ Newsom, right-handed pitcher for the Mariners. Tomorrow, it'll be Drew Smiley against Nick Margavichus. If you enjoyed this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. Whatever you can do is very, very much appreciated. Thanks so much for listening, and until then, we'll see you next time.